started last week a series called Spiritual Warfare. And uh, as we dove into this, it probably is not what everybody thought I was going to preach on on spiritual warfare. Um, But it's what's going on in your spirit and what's happening in our spirit. And most of the time, uh, one of the things that stood out last week that I've thought about all this week is a lot of times, and I think Scott even put something up on Facebook after uh, last Sunday too, was our behaviors often follow the pathway of our thoughts. And, and so we've been talking about this. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, he says, For though we wrestle, or we walk not in the flesh, sorry, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of the flesh. They're not bodily. They're not temporal. So what we're talking about is not something that's on the outward. It's, it's something that is spiritual. It's on the inside of you. Um, He says, but our weapons are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And everybody likes that word strongholds, but sometimes, surely, we don't really understand what he means by strongholds. That's why he gives us these next verses. To casting down, these are the strongholds. Casting down what? Imaginations. Those those thought processes, those reasonings, those uh, contemplations. Those ideas. So casting down imaginations and every high thing. Now, last week uh, we talked about that. A high thing is something that is elevated, but William Mounts talks about it's not only something that is elevated, but it it is a towering self-conceit. It's a towering presumption. So when God's given you and he's making you ready for, for spiritual warfare, he's wanting you to cast down imaginations, ideas, thoughts, anything like anything that is loud. Anything that is a higher than the, the, the thought of God. He said anything, every high thing that exalts itself. That word exalt means to lift up with a voice. In other words, anything that's speaking to you that's louder than what God's word says about you. Any idea you have about yourself that speaks louder than what God says about you. This is what the weapons of your warfare are for. They're to reach in there to grab a hold of those thoughts that are saying, no, you're not, and bringing them down. See, that one of the biggest strongholds you'll ever have in your life is your own opinion of yourself. And the problem is, is the church has been great about giving, giving people an opinion of themselves that is less than what God has called them to be. Amen. We've become real good at that. You know, well, okay. He says, and bringing into, that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Now look what he says, bringing into captivity every thought. See, we're wanting to go out here and find this devil, that devil, this devil, this devil. You're not going to be able to uh, overcome any kind of devil until you overcome the one that's living between your ears. (laughs) It's every thought that rises up and speaks to you louder than what God's Word says. And if it's speaking to you louder than what God's Word says, you're expected to grab hold of that thing and to take your thought life captive. He wants you to have a captive thought life, a thought life where you're controlling what comes. Well, nobody can control their thoughts. 
Come on. Yes, you can. Just because something pops in there doesn't mean I have to dwell on it. I have all kinds of things that pop in my head, Denise. <laughs> and we better be glad that I don't always act on the things that pop in my head. <laughs> so we all have those times, Dan, where the things that pop in our head, but God has prepared me and equipped me to take my thoughts and bring them under subjection to what God's Word says about me. And so today we're going to continue this. And I told you last week I wasn't going to say that we would never talk about David and Goliath because I would lie. So go to 1 Samuel. <laughs> go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 38. Now I'm reading this from the voice just because I like how the voice puts this. It says, so Saul outfitted David with the king's own armor. Here's the first thing, what happens. We, a lot of times, try to put on someone else's armor. You say, what do you mean? We read a good book. And it sounds good, and in theory it's great, and we're trying to operate in how the author says that we should operate, but until you grab a hold of your thought, own thought life, you're always going to struggle even trying to put on somebody, that armor, even though that armor was good. Some of you know Saul's armor was good armor. It wasn't that it was bad armor, but it wasn't what was David needed. So he said he put on his head a bronze helmet to protect his head and a coat of mail uh, to protect his chest. And David strapped on Saul's sword outside the armor and then discovered he could not move because he was not used to the restrictions of the weighty armor. And David said, I am not used to these things. How can I attack the enemy when I can't even walk? So he removed every bit of Saul's armor. And I like what he says here. This is why I like how the voice puts this. He said, he would fight the Philistine the way he fought the lions and the bears. In other words, he went back to what he had already tested. Uh, uh, King James puts it, he had proved it. What he had already proved, what he had already used, what he was used to doing. See, what we do is we don't get a hold of our own thought life and we try to take on somebody else's words. Do, well, so-and-so well, said do it this way. So let me put that on. Well, so-and-so said do it this way. Let me put that on. So, folks, sometimes we have to grow into, and I'm not down in authors, and I'm not down in these things, but sometimes we're trying to put on something that we're not ready to wear yet because we haven't even tested out what we've got. We haven't got control of our own thought life yet, and when we can't have control of our own thought life, you can't add somebody else's thoughts into there and think you're going to be able to hold on to them too. <laughs> so he goes on and says, and he took his staff in his hand and he went to the stream to choose five smooth stones which he kept in a pouch in his shepherd's bag and he had his sling ready and he approached the Philistine. You notice what it said there. His, his, his. It was his pouch, it was his sling, it was his staff. He knew what he had to do. 
and that was use the weapons. So folks, this is why I want to go over this. We can jump over to Ephesians chapter 6. You have to use what you are already prepared with. And if we don't use what we're already prepared with, it doesn't matter how many good books we read, how many good things we read, until our own mindset is right to where we've got control of the thoughts that speak louder than the Word of God about my life, it doesn't matter how much other armor I try to put on. It's never going to fit me right. And this is why people get frustrated a lot, folks. Well, I tried this and it didn't work and I tried that. So I guess author so-and-so, his stuff's not true because I tried it and it didn't work. You ha- maybe you hadn't grown into that yet. David was a young man. Saul was a full-grown man. <laughs> so please understand, I'm not saying don't go read, I'm just saying the voice in your head first needs to be controlled by the Word of God that speaks in you. Now, Ephesians chapter 6. Now, Thank you, Lord. He says, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against the world's rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take to yourselves the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Therefore, stand having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. In your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all, take the shield of faith which with which you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the word and the sword, not the word, well, yeah, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching to this very thing with all perseverance and supplication in his saints. Go back to verse 14. This is what we're going to look at over the next couple of weeks. Therefore, stand having your loins girt about with truth. Is that what it says? Yeah. That's, that's weird phraseology to me. What? Have your loins girt about with truth. Well, the word gird, it simply means to make ready. Be, to be ready for action. When, 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 they, when you see through the Bible and you begin to see that these people, that they gird themselves, what they did is they took this long thing and they began to tie it around their waist so that their legs would be free to move. So that if they had to run, they could run without tripping over themselves. If they wanted to dance, they'd gird it up. They, see, anytime you see that word gird, I want you to understand it means getting, you're, this person is getting ready to take some kind of action. And so he says there, he says, gird up your loins. Now, interesting thing about your loins, it's basically from the bottom of your rib cage to just below your hips. 
It's, it, and and, and, and when we, we think about that, I know we're thinking of the inner thighs and all this stuff, but actually the loins is from the bottom of your rib cage in the back to just below your hips. It is a place that the Bible talks about is a source of strength. Yes. If you've ever been around people talking about, I'll just throw sports. Jeff, if we're, if we're going to line up on a line as an offensive lineman, my job is to be lower than you, right? So I'm down and I'm getting my loins. This is the place of strength so that when I fire up, power is coming from here up. See, what God is trying to tell him to do, and we're going to look at this, just, just be patient with me. It, it, it's the place of strength. It is where strength, when, when boxers punch, they'll tell them, you got to turn that hip. You got to put your loin into it. It's a place of power. So when he's saying, be gird up, he's saying, make your place of power ready for action. He says, so make your place. Now, it's not only because of where it's located. It's not only a place of action, but it's a place of creation. Without me going into detail. So your loins, when he says make ready your loins, he says, but but what does this have to do with me spiritually? I'm getting there. I promise. But if we don't understand the basics of what he's saying, so he's saying make ready your place of power and your place of creation. You realize you are a creative being, right? You were created in the image and the likeness of God way, way, way back. In the garden, he said, let us make man in our image. Let him make him after our life. What is God? God is a creative force. You are a creative force on the earth. And so when he tells you here, gird up your loins, he said, make ready the place where you have power and make ready for action your creative place. Now go to 1 Peter. I'll show you something here. Dancing bottles. Therefore, I'm in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Here's the same, same phraseology, same words. Therefore, make ready for action the creative place, your strength of your what? Mind. God's concerned so much with your thought life that he wants even your thought life to be ready for action. Your thought life, your mind is that place of power. It is that place of creativity. So when he said, way back here, he said, gird up your loins. And here he tells Peter, he said, gird up the loins of your mind. Make ready your mind. Your thought process needs to be ready for action. You cannot take your thoughts captive. captive. You cannot take negative thoughts captive if the knowledge of God is not already put in your head ready to act. You've got to put immediately into action anything that dares tell you that you are less than what God has called you to be. Less than what God has created you to be. He said, Make, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest in, a hope, in your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ. 
Now, we read that like it's supposed to come. No, what it actually says, if you go back to the original language, it says it's not that it is a grace that is to come, it is a grace that has come. So your mind, your thought life has to be ready to take action in controlling a revelation of Jesus in your life. What's God's, what's the biggest part the enemy tells you that you're not worthy in? Well, I, I'm, I'm not worthy because of this, and I'm not worthy because of that, and I'm not worthy. I've done this, and I've done that. We've all got a list of I've done's. We've all got a list of things that I should be embarrassed about. So, so when the enemy starts bringing that about, what God is saying to you is you've got to make ready your place of creation. Your place of strength is going to be in this battlefield in the mind where you have to take it and, 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 and begin to see a revelation of Jesus Christ and his grace in every area of your life. Verse 14, as obedient children. See, he calls me an obedient child when I do what? When I make ready the creative place of my mind. Are y'all okay? I know I'm teaching something here. He says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts in your ignorance. So, Knowing what these definitions are, we can say that God is telling us here to prepare our minds for service. Prepare your mind for action. Prepare the the creative place of your life for action because we're going to focus all of our hope, we're going to focus all of our energy on the grace and the revelation of Jesus. We focus, Amy, way too much on other stuff. We focus on this negative thing. We focus on that negative thing. We focus on this bad thing. We focus on that bad thing. And and, and so what we lose, Scott, is a revelation of Jesus in every part of our life. I believe that what God is actually calling us to do is to see and, 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 and to intentionally see Jesus in everything, even in my thoughts. So if the thoughts that are going through my head are so bad and I can't see a revelation of Jesus in that, then I am bound by the armor and the weapons that are in me to take authority over that thought, to bring that thought into subjection to the obedience of Christ. And to the obedience and the revelation of God in my life. Our problem is, is we don't look for a revelation of God. Amen. So, back to 2 Corinthians Corinthians chapter 10. He says, having your loins girt about with truth. Well, what's truth? That's the big question. Because what we do, we live in a world today where people tell you there are no absolutes. We live in a world where people say, well, what's truth? Your truth, I hear it all the time. I'm going to speak my truth. I'm telling my truth. It's my truth, my truth, my truth. And if it's true to me, then it's true to me. And if it's not true to you, it's not true to you. It's not true to me. (laughs) 
And so what we have is we have, we've, we've developed a whole generation of people who don't really understand that there are absolutes. <laughs> so he says, have your action ready to take authority and grab hold of the things that aren't true. That aren't true what? That aren't true about you. That aren't true about the revelation of God in you. Uh, William Mount says of truth, and I don't know if I put this on the screen or not. He said, Mount says, what is truth is what is true in any matter under consideration pertaining to God. In other words, God is truth. Uh, the, the word study uh, dictionary says that truth is an unveiled reality living or uh, the unveiled reality lying at the basis of and agreeing with the appearance or the manifestation of God. Go to John chapter 14. This is just a continuation of last week if you couldn't tell. Because I'm telling you folks, we're entering into a place where our minds have to be filled with truth. Our minds have to be filled with the revelation of Jesus. Not, not this other truth. Because you, you can fill your mind with all kinds of stuff. What did Jesus say here? Jesus said in John 14, 6, and Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Now, the Geneva Bible, which was written before King James Version, said, Jesus says, I am that way. I am that truth. I am that life. In other words, there is only one. <laughs> There's only one way. He, Jesus goes on to say, <laughs> he goes on to say, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So he is that way. He is that truth. So anytime we want to find truth in a matter, then we need to see Jesus in it. And if I can't find the revelation of Jesus and the revelation of his grace in a matter or in a thought life and going on in my life, then I need to be ready to take action because my mind is the place of creativity. Amen. It's my loins. Amen. It's going to be the place. And because what is pinpointed in my mind and what I focus on, I will eventually produce in my life. What you focus on, you produce. Come on. Jesus is the truth. So the creative place in our minds has to be filled with the reality of Christ. Well, I just don't believe we live in the real world, Brent, and you just can't think about Jesus all the time. Why? Why can't you? You can think about what you want to think about. <laughs> now, I'm not going to go back here and have a conversation with Alice and, she's going, I, and all the time I'm just going to go, Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that what has to be on my mind. See, we've, we've lost the revelation. If the last five years have taught me anything is that the church has lost the revelation of Christ. Amen. Amen. And I know people won't like me saying it, but we've taken on the truth of something else. Amen. And we've determined 
that God has to be X, Y, Z or else it's ain't, it ain't God. We think, well, if this happens, this happens, this happens, it's all going to fall apart. We're doomed, we're gloom, we're despair. Is that a revelation of Jesus? He says, I have come that you might have and have it. That's a revelation of Jesus. So if it's gloom, doom, despair, and agony on me, and deep, dark depression, excessive misery, and I can't find a revelation of Jesus in that, then my thought life is completely out of control. Ah. Yeah, but this is happening, and this is happening, and this is going on, and this is, and Jesus said it would. Why are we surprised at what's going on? He said, in this life, you'll have what? Tribulation, trouble, trials. But he also finished that sentence with what? But be of... See, the revelation of Christ is not this is going wrong and this is going bad and this is all. The revelation that has to be in my mind is get my mind off of this junk where all I see is deep, dark, and yeah, and I come over here and I see, I see Jesus. I see a way he can come through. I see the light at the end of this tunnel and his name is always going to be. <laughs> Our minds have run crazy. Any place in your mindset, any place in our mindset, my mindset too, that I don't have a revelation of Christ and His grace in it is an open door for the enemy just to torture me. Well, what do you mean? Because I'm going to lay in bed at night. I should have done it this way. I should have done it that way. God. Am I the only one that's ever had nights like that? But what's it say? It says rest in the Lord. Rest in His grace. That's what, that's what He told us there earlier, wasn't it? He said rest in this grace which came to you by a revelation of Jesus. Rest in grace. Let peace reign. You say, but let me, how many of you have ever solved your problems at one o'clock in the morning with all the lights off and you have flipped to both sides of the pillow and you're ready to rotate your mattress. How many of your problems were ever solved? <laughs> there wasn't a problem solved like that. <laughs> what we do is you know what that shows us? That we're still trying to do something. That we're still lacking that revelation of Christ in our minds. So our minds are not ready to take action. Folks, the first place, I'm telling you, the battlefield is this truth that's in your mindset, that's in our mindset. If I lack truth concerning healing, I don't have a revelation of Jesus in that. Guess what usually is where I get usually fought? And when I forget it and I start slacking up, you know what usually happens to me? I start going through stuff <laughs> because I let other things fill my mind. Oh, I'm the only one, right? What truth does, folks, is truth strengthens your faith and protects your weak points. 
But truth is Jesus and only Jesus. It's only the revelation of him. And so remember that in the creative place of our life, the fruit that we bring forth, the procreation, the produce of our life comes from the mind. You know? And what I think about, what I ponder on. And, and, and so it's imperative that we grab a hold of our thoughts. I love how Peter said it there. He said, gird up the loins of your mind. And the greater amount of, a, of the revelation of Jesus that we can hold on to without getting sidetracked, it, 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 it becomes easier to fight a battle. Go to John chapter 8. Are you with me this morning? I'm telling you, I, I've shouted this week. I've done everything at some re, re, revelation that I've gotten as I, as I continued to study this. Revelation, revelation, no, John <laughs> chapter 8, verse 32. He says, and you will know the truth. So you'll know Jesus since he is the truth. And Jesus will set you free. We've been waiting on something else to happen to set us free. Hey, God, just send it this way, send it that way, do it this way. I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but, man, you need to do it, and, and, and this is how I want it done. No, the only way that we're really going to be free is when Jesus, as we know him, and you will know the truth. Well, Jesus said, I am the truth. Amen. And when we know him, and it's so close, our relationship to him, then that truth begins to break chains off our life. That person, truth is a person. Truth is not an idea. It's not a thought process. Truth to you and I is a person. It's the person of Jesus. And if I haven't seen, <laughs> and if I haven't seen freedom in an area of my life, then I need to get more revelation of him working in my life because what I've got revelation of is how he's not working at the moment or how I, I assume he's not working at the moment how I think just because you can't see him working doesn't mean he's not doing it jump down to verse 36 I'm almost done I wanted to just wrap up on our minds before we go any further in John chapter 8 and verse 36 he said, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. See, there's no question here, folks, who truth is. There's no question. So if I really want to be free, then it's only going to take a revelation of Jesus and his grace in every area of my life. Well, how can I see grace at work in my finances? You got to work at church today, didn't you? That means there was money to put gas in your car. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. See, I can claim that. I can take a hold of that. I don't have to, I'm never going to be forsaken. You can't ever say that. Yes, I can. Because I know him. So if I'm ever looking for a way to be free of something that has got a bound on me, then I need to begin to see my life 
in light of the revelation of the grace of Christ in that situation. And when I see his revelation bigger than my situation, then freedom comes. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. He declared himself freedom from whatever holds you. Folks, do you realize that we're only bound by the lack of revelation that we see Jesus? He's already, we sing the song here by Godfrey. He's done it all. He's done it all. So very precious is the love of Jesus. This I know, and you will know the truth. Folks, he's already done it all. The problem is, is we lack a revelation of it because we're looking at these little things and we're not looking for him. We're looking at the trees and we don't see the forest. We're looking at the situation and we don't look at the God who's still in control. And so what happens, that leads to fear. That leads to fear. Oh, if this don't work out, and this don't work out, and this don't work out, then we're doomed. I'm just, you know, we're just doomed. See, and it's because we don't know his love. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. I'm telling you folks, if we can take this, we can totally turn our lives around. Amen. We can turn our lives around. Because we gain an understanding of who we are. They are not of this world, just as I'm not of this world. So guess what? You're an alien. Everybody's waiting on the appearance of aliens. You've been around them all along. He said... They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them by your truth. So guess what? You have already been sanctified. Oh, now wait a minute. The truth is what sanctifies you. Well, Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth. You've already been set apart. You've already been consecrated. You've already been made holy because the truth has come. And the reason you don't see yourself as those things is you don't have a revelation of Jesus in that area of your life. Amen. We got a great revelation of sin. We've got a great revelation of shortcomings. Jesus said, sanctify them by me. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Well, now see, he's talking about the Bible. We'll cover that in a minute. And as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may be also sanctified by the truth. Sanctified to make holy, to consecrate, to set apart. That's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I've sanctified myself. I've made this flesh body that he was walking in holy. He said, now I sanctify them by the word. I sanctify them by another. Go to John chapter 6, or no, back to Ephesians 6. 
No, not yet. You can go there, but we're not going to read it. He said, sanctify them by the word. Somebody go, if you will, go to John chapter 1. I don't know if it's going to come up. It probably won't. Just take that one down for a minute, Bob. John chapter 1, he says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with, and the word was, he said, sanctify them by thy This this part of the sanctification is done. Christ has done it. He has already brought it. Now, does that mean you can't look at your life and God drive some things that should not be in your life out? Absolutely he can. There are parts of my, uh, remember we call it zombie nature. There's parts of my zombie nature that I've held on to way too long. And it's tried to eat me. But that's just because I've held on to that thing. It's not because I don't have victory over it. If I want to walk away from it, Scott, I'll just walk away. (laughs) Amen? He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Sanctify them by the Word. What's it? Jump down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh. Is that right? Is that 1 John 1, 14? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Here is Jesus standing with his, apostles, with his disciples saying, I sanctify them. They are sanctified to do what? To go and do what I've called them to do. Folks, I'm here to tell you today, quit seeing yourself as anything other than already chosen, already set apart, already declared holy in the sight of God, girt up the loins, wrap up, get ready to take action against every thought life that comes against that part of your life because the Word has set you free, the truth has set you free, He has already come, He has already done it, you are free. Only thing we need is a revelation of Jesus in every situation. Everything I'm struggling with, I need to see myself through God's eyes before I see myself through that thing's eyes. And by doing so, you're already starting to arm yourself with what God has prepared for you to arm yourself with. Gird up the loins. Next week we're going to talk about righteousness. This won't probably make you any happier either. What do you mean righteousness? He's already made you righteous too. We'll look at it. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. You have sanctified us and made us holy. You are the truth, and that truth has set us free. There are no bonds. There are no bounds that we cannot escape from. There is no addictions that we cannot break. There is nothing that has a hold on us that we don't allow to hang on to, Father, because you have already come. You have already set us free. And so, Father, we take ready with the with the loins of our mind, with the creative places of our mind, and we begin to change how we see ourselves. And in doing so, we become more like you. Oh, you are the revelation of truth in my life. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.